Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 5, 1 through 7, called The Supreme Principles for Life. Robert Falconer tells the story of his witnessing among destitute people in a certain city and of reading them the story of the woman who wiped Jesus' feet with her tears. While he was reading, he heard a loud sob and looked up at a young, thin girl whose face was disfigured by smallpox. After he spoke a few words of encouragement to her, she said, quote, Will he ever come again, the one who forgave this woman, I have heard that he will come again. Will it be soon? Well, he responded, well, he could come at any time. But why do you ask, Falconer replied. After sobbing again uncontrollably, she said, Sir, can't he wait a little while to come? My hair isn't long enough yet to wipe his feet. Give me some time to let my hair grow. That's amazing. See, that's the kind of Savior that we serve. Uh, you know, everybody was looking around and saying, doesn't he know what kind of woman that is? Doesn't he, doesn't he know who she is? What did Jesus say? Yeah, I know who she is. But from the moment I came in here, she hasn't stopped crying. She hasn't stopped wiping my feet with her hair. What have you done? What kind of, what kind of love did you show? And then he said, you know, he who is forgiven much loves much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Some of the greatest warriors that have ever existed in the church of Jesus Christ have been those who have been forgiven much. They love much. They understand what Christ has done for them, and so they don't walk around with some sort of pride. The only reason I'm standing here is because when I was about 20 years old, the Lord reached into the cesspool of my sin and set my feet on solid ground. I don't want to forget that. Because the moment I forget that, I become prideful. And I start thinking that I deserve you know, uh, the position I'm in, or I deserve the, the, the love that I get from God. No, no. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And so... Therefore, be imitators of God, notice, as beloved children. We have to remember that we are beloved children. And as I mentioned, beloved children, you know, who have a good example in their parents, they they love to mimic um, what we do and how we walk. And we need to be cognizant of that. And walk in love just as Christ loved you. Now, the only way we can do that, as I mentioned before, is to have the power of the Holy Spirit to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and to be filled up to all the fullness of God. Remember that great benediction prayer we looked at? And we said, is it possible that we could be filled up to all the fullness of God? Yes. And when it happens, guess what? It's going to overflow to others. And you're going to start to see remarkable things come out of your life that you may have thought could never be possible. See, Christ, we're to love as he loves just as he loves, and notice how he gave himself up for us. This gives us more of a, an idea of the type of love we're talking about. He gave himself up for us as an offering, 
a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now in the book of Leviticus, there's many different offerings that are laid out and several of them are called a fragrant aroma to God. I'm not going to get into that tonight, but I will say that there's something implicit in the verse, in verse two, implied in the verse, and it's clearly this, that the love that's being talked about is a sacrificial love. The love that's being talked about is a sacrificial love. Just as Christ gave you, loved you, and what did he do? He gave himself up for us as an offering, a sacrifice to God. Both, both the type of love is implied in verse 2. It's a sacrificial love. And it also tells us something else in verse 2. When you love sacrificially, it pleases God. As a matter of fact, the imagery comes from the idea of the Old Testament sacrifices. And when a sacrifice comes up and is well-pleasing to God, it's a soothing aroma unto God. God says, that smells great. And when we love as Christ loves and we love sacrificially, which is the type of love in verse 2, then it becomes a sweet-smelling offering to the Lord. Another way to simply put it is we please God. We please God when we love each other this way. Now we saw a verse that uh, you know we've looked at before, and it's found in verse thirty of chapter four, and it says this: "And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." So we can see that there are things that grieve God, and there are things that please God. There are things that grieve God, and this is a New Testament book. This is written to the church. There are things that grieve God, and there are things that please God. And the power of the Holy Spirit is what's on display here. So in both cases, God the Holy Spirit saying to us, I will give you the love that you need. I will give you the strength that you need. But if you reject that, if you let unwholesome words come out of your mouth, if you let the flesh begin to control you, then that's going to grieve me. But you can please me by loving the way that my son has shown you to love. And we should, you know, we as Christians should be doing nothing less, but of course, we know the struggle that we have with the flesh. Now we've looked at the first type of love, which is God's love, the love of the new nature. Now we're going to move into a second type of love, and this is the love of the old nature. This is, instead of walking in, the, in newness of life, which we saw in, in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, therefore, I entreat you, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, 4, 1, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. In 4.17, it says, This I say therefore and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. And if you look at chapter 2, verse 10, it says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. The word walk in Greek is a synonym for the word live. This is all about how you live. Don't live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their mind, always gratifying the flesh. That's the world. That's the world's love. Now you're going to see the world's love on display in verse 3, chapter 5. But do not let immorality or impurity, whatever is dirty there, or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. Now you might think, well, The subject has totally changed here if you're reading your Bible, but actually the subject has not changed. What God is saying is there's two types of love. There's there's an agape love, an agape love, which is the love of God. 
And it's, it's not you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of love. It's simply loving by the power of Jesus Christ. But there's another kind of love, and it's the world's love, and it's captured in a word we see as immorality in our Bible, but it's actually the word in Greek, pornea, spelled in English, P-O-R-N-E-I-A. It's the word often translated immorality. And it speaks of illicit sexual relationships. It could speak of adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, bestiality. It it incorporates every type of love outside of the covenant of marriage. Uh, The world's display of pseudo-love, the opposite, what appeals to the old nature is the world's sexual love. Today, you watch a ball game, the commercial comes on for Carl's Jr., and, and the girl is eating a cheeseburger like she is walking down the catwalk or something. It's just, this is, this is where we've gotten today, where, where we sell everything with this kind of pseudo-love. And now, you know, pornography statistics are absolutely off the charts, um, I just talked to Sergeant Scott Curry, who attends this fellowship. He said I could quote him. He just retired from 30 years in the Corona Police Department. He worked as a detective a good portion of that time investigating sex crimes, child abuse, child homicide, and did computer forensics related to these cases. He said there are not many things I hate more than pornography. Its influence is insidious. Scott interviewed one offender and he said this pattern was very common. He said I could share this. He said he started, uh, this, this man said he got himself in trouble with starting to look at naked pictures of people in National Geographic. Then he moved to quote-unquote legal porn. Then he started peeping on his sister. Then he began peeping at neighbors. Next he moved into breaking house, into houses and he, where he knew the people's patterns, knew there was a female in the house, and he would break into the house and simply watch the girl sleep. Then he would break into the house and watch the girl and undress next to her bed. Then he would break into the house, undress, and get in the bed with her, and then eventually it led him into raping a girl. When this young man was interviewed by Sergeant Curry, he said it all started with pornography. The question came up, how many of these cases are linked to pornography? I think the statistics are probably something like 80% plus, but it's probably more than that. It might be every single case. Now, this doesn't mean, and we need to be careful with this, uh, that everybody who sees or is exposed to pornography is going to end up like this man's story. We know that that's not the case. But I will say this to you. It opens the door. They're they're saying with the statistics now, you know, it used to be that you'd drive up to a liquor store and you had to kind of go into a certain area of a a movie store for for X-rated videos, but it's not that way anymore. Let's be real. It's a click away now. They're saying that well over 90% of our teenagers, probably more like 94%, have been exposed to pornography at earlier and earlier ages. 94% of boys and I think it's 60-something percent of of girls who are teenagers as young as 12 years old are already exposed to pornography. And these are kids in the church as well. And a lot of it comes when they're searching uh, because you know that the kids are doing a lot of stuff on electronic devices. 
And so they go searching or they search a picture or they search a YouTube uh, and all of a sudden images come up and it doesn't take long and the hooks are in. And this is, this is the world's uh, love. It, it, is, it is a pornography type of love. And 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. James Massey said, The sexual impulse is God-given, but it must be God-guided. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Pornography is going to end up like this man's story. We know that that's not the case. But I will say this to you. It opens the door. They're, they're saying with the statistics now, you know, it used to be that you'd drive up to a liquor store and you had to kind of go into a certain area of a, of a movie store for, for X-rated videos, but it's not that way anymore. Let's be real. It's a click away now. They're saying that well over 90% of our teenagers, probably more like 94%, have been exposed to pornography at earlier and earlier ages. 94% of boys, and I think it's 60-something percent of, of girls who are teenagers as young as 12 years old are already exposed to pornography. And these are kids in the church as well. And a lot of it comes when they're searching uh, because you know that the kids are doing a lot of stuff on electronic devices. And so they go searching or they search a picture or they search a YouTube uh, and all of a sudden images come up and it doesn't take long. And the hooks are in. And this is, this is the world's uh, love. It, it, is, it is a pornography type of love. And 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. James Massey said, The sexual impulse is God-given, but it must be God-guided. Now, we don't want to make a mistake in the church that we come across as these repressive people when it comes to uh, what God has created because lovemaking is God's idea. But the devil is a master counterfeiter and he hijacks everything, it seems, that God makes for good and he hijacks that and counterfeits it. 
Here's a great illustration that I will share with you. I heard an illustration from a speaker that goes this way. He said, think of lovemaking in the covenant of marriage this way. Picture in your backyard that you had a beautiful, rich, dark-soiled garden with beautiful red roses. You watered it every day. The, the roses were doing wonderfully. And in its proper setting, it's beautiful. But imagine that you got some new white carpeting in your living room, and you opened the sliding glass door, and you went out and took a shovel of that wet soil from your beautiful rose garden, and you threw it on your brand new white carpet. Now, out of its proper context, what's happened? It's now dirty. It's made a mess. That's what the world has done. That's what Satan has done with what is supposed to be beautiful and right and true and pure and lovely. He's taken it and soiled it. He's pulled it out of its appropriate context. And if you watch any television, you all know that the rapid, immense number of images coming at the American public both young and old, is incredible. It's incredible. And incrementally, what has happened to us is we've gone down this slippery slope where more and more is becoming acceptable. More and more is becoming commonplace. And the devil has a foothold. Do you agree? The devil has a foothold in this culture. And he has a foothold in many people's lives in the church, And Paul says, look, if you want to look at both kinds of love, let's look at the first type of love. It's the agape love. It's the forgiving love. It's God's love. It's God's plan. He blessed it. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He said, the two shall become one. But we have taken it and we have soiled it. And we have now, Paul says, don't let immorality and any impurity, here's our word for whatever is dirty, whatever is not pure, or greed, which is freighted with sexual connotations. Uh, One uh, commentator says, to catch the force of Paul's words, we need to understand that the word greed in verse 3 is sexually loaded or freighted in this context. It means greed for someone else's body. Marcus Bart renders the word insatiability. See, people are becoming insatiable for these kinds of things because this is what they get. Boom, 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 boom. And you begin to mimic that which you spend time investing in. So the average Christian, how much time does the average Christian spend in worship, in Bible study, in fellowship, as compared to the average amount of time that we're ingesting the world's message? Whether we do it consciously or subconsciously, we have to realize this, we are swimming upstream, folks. Now, you guys are folks that come to a Wednesday night Bible study. And so you're getting a lot of you, I know personally, you get a lot of the word. And you know even with getting a lot of the word, you know it's a battle. Amen? But think of the Christian who comes to church twice a month and blows off the dust off their Bible only when they walk into this building. How do you think they're doing? I'll tell you, probably not really well. And this is the world that we live in right now. Now, Paul says, uh, don't, don't let immorality or impurity or greed even be what? Named among you as is proper among saints. Paul seems to be saying, don't even discuss it. Don't even go there. Don't even, don't take on the world's way of doing things. I recorded a little segment for our radio program and I heard Alistair Begg tell this story. He was talking about a man who was in a company. 
he had been a Christian for about a year, and he was kind of known as the life of the party. And, and he and his buddies, you know, Friday night, they would get off work. The end of the work week, they'd go drink. They'd go to a quote-unquote gentleman's club, and they would do whatever. So uh, the, the normal group came up to this new Christian. He's a Christian about a year. And they said to him, hey, we're going, we're going, let's go. And he said, no, I don't do that anymore. I don't want to go. Oh, okay, holy Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, holy man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just bagged on him and they bailed out. And he was pretty devastated. He admitted that, you know what, he was feeling pretty low, feeling pretty mocked. So he goes home for the weekend. His telephone rings during the weekend. One of the men in the group says, I want to know why you don't go to those places. I just found out my wife is pregnant. We're going to have a baby girl. I want to know why you don't go to those places. And I said in this little radio segment, I put on a facade when I was in the world. I yucked it up at the guys. I laughed. But when I went home at night and I looked at my face in the mirror and I realized how empty I was and I had a gnawing emptiness in my soul, my buddies weren't there to back me up. I had to deal with my conscience. I had to deal with God. And I knew I was wrong. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew I had enough knowledge about God and that imprint is in us. Verse 4. And so Paul says, There must be no filthiness. That speaks of obscenity, oral filth, dirty language, or silly talk. That's the Greek word morologia, where we get the idea of moronic. So you could say to someone biblically, Don't be a moron. It speaks of, hey, it's the Bible. It speaks of foolish talk or buffoonery. And then the final thing Paul mentions here, and he's speaking now of language or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather he'll give us a solution here, a giving of thanks. Now see the, the last phrase there, coarse jesting, is a Greek word which speaks of, it means to well turn or easily turning. It speaks of witticism. The idea of the word for coarse jesting here is of a person who can turn with a quick, ready comeback anything that is said into a lewd connotation. The reason that they can do this so easily is that it's the first thing that comes into their mind. So double entendres, sexual innuendos, bam! Now if you've not been around this for a while and then you get around it, you're like, sheesh, am I from another planet here? I played golf with a couple of guys that clearly were not believers last week. And I, w- I got an earful of this stuff. And I said I waited to the 18th hole to reveal that I am a pastor. And then I left them with that. But anyway, but, but I, was, I, I felt like I needed to be rebaptized, actually, <laughs> after that, those 18 holes. I felt like I needed a cl- some sort of cleansing. But I realize what a lot of you go through. And, and I, I, you know, I don't live in that much anymore. I do have fishing holes, my racquetball games. And you know, they'll, let, they'll let a bad word fly on the racquetball court. And then they'll, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. You don't have to apologize to me. You're going to give an account for every idle word that you've spoken. Uh, so there, but you can kiss my ring if you like. Be taking an offering after that. Jesus said, That which proceeds out of a man is that which defiles a man. 
For from within, out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. See, the issue here is the mouth reveals the heart. You've been listening to The Supreme Principles for Life, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 7. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's great to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now here's Pastor Michael. We're doing a men's conference. We've been telling you about it. It's on September 18th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I have the privilege of serving as senior pastor. It's called Run With Endurance. It's only 10 days away now. We're going to have breakfast and lunch catered by Chick-fil-A. It's $25. And uh, if you register quickly enough, you can get a T-shirt, hopefully. And the way you do that is you go to walkintruth.com to register, walkintruth.com. And if you have questions, call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours, Tuesday through Friday, 844-48-TRUTH. Love to see you make this men's conference on the 18th. So check it out today, walkintruth.com. God bless. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God about that. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, called The Supreme Principles for Life. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.